0: Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games.
1: Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how are we doing?
0: Great! Uh, this Sunday or this past Sunday, Caleb, my uh, my son, and you know this already. My son Ezekiel turned one, so uh, it's crazy to think that uh, it's already been a year. But it's been really good. What's new in your world?
1: Yeah, happy belated birthday to Zeke there! Uh, not too much. We got our countdown down to eleven days till Disney, so we're so looking forward to that. And then I'm, uh, you know, watching some college basketball here since they decided to put the college football playoff rankings on really late tonight for some reason. Yeah,
0: yeah, not a not ideal time. Nine o'clock. I mean, maybe they like forget that like old people like us really like that. But that's mm-hmm. uh, whatever. I'll be probably nearing bedtime at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Caleb, so let's let's jump right into something here. I had sent you a link to an article that really stood out to me and and really well did i send it to you or did you send it to me
1: you sent it to me
0: okay i did send it to you that's what i thought fbs schools have spent over 500 million dollars in dead money in the past 11 years as somebody who went to college um That kind of gets me fired up because I I can't help but wonder, like, what's the impact on student tuition because of that and, like, the wasteful spending? Especially, like, some of these universities where there's a lot of dead money are state universities, so they're getting state funding. It's like, eh, feels like these programs uh, are are being a little bit careless with money. Maybe that's just me, but, you know, half a billion bucks, that's nothing to sneeze at.
1: No, definitely not, and that's why it was always laughable that students couldn't get paid in this situation. Thankfully, the NIL laws are taking effect this year. But yeah, schools can—if LSU can pay however many seventeen million dollars to a head coach that just won them a national championship two years ago—if. Um, Scott Frost, who we'll talk about here in a second, his, if his original buyout was twenty million dollars for a guy who hasn't had a winning record at his current school in four years of being a head coach, right. if if we can spend this amount of money, you know, five hundred million over eleven years, so about just under fifty million per year, spending buyouts and whatever whatever kind of dead money here they're talking about reconstructions and things like that mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure this money as as you said could be better spent on players on i get maybe facilities on other aspects of college life that aren't yeah. head football and their assistant coaches
0: yeah i mean i will never forget kill our freshman year whenever uh one water fountain on our floor didn't work and uh, we, we were constantly making jokes about how we pay $40,000 a year and we can't even get a working water fountain mm-hmm. on this floor like you know I'm sure 500 million would uh help <laughs> there but uh you know somebody who probably will not have to collect or who probably won't be getting paid dead money because of his level of success as Minnesota head coach, P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck gets a seven-year extension through 2028. I love this signing, Caleb. I think he's a good coach. I think this season has demonstrated that, especially considering all the injuries.
1: Yeah, and for some reason, I feel like the last time he got an extension was right after they beat Penn State a couple years ago in that big top-ten matchup. So I don't think this is like a true seven-year ext like I'm sure it's some sort of reconstruction plus extension, and I yeah. think he lost the game after that. So kind of ironic that he loses the game right after he gets the extension here as well.
0: I feel like that's a pretty normal thing in college football, and and I don't know why that is because like statistically speaking, whatever. Like I, I don't really see it as that big of a distraction, especially for a guy like Fleck. But mm-hmm. whatever. Um, speaking of coaching hires. Texas Tech had recently gotten rid of their head coach. They're going to hire Baylor associate coach and and outside linebacker coach Joey McGuire as their head coach. Uh, Baylor's looking good this season. You like the move, Caleb?
1: Yeah, it sounds like from what I've read, this is the first-time head coach in Joey McGuire. It just adds to the bewilderment for me for Texas Tech firing their head coach in a winning season and then rushing to get... Um, this associate head coach Joey McGuire from Baylor, who, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, never been a head coach before, so maybe he'll be a maybe he would have been a hot name this year. I don't know that, but it seems like he probably wasn't going to be. At all. He's not some young hotshot head coach, from what I understand. He's not you know 25, 30 year old Sean McVay or something like that. He's I'm uh, I'm rooting for him. Obviously, I hope he does a good job. But it, it just it's still weird to me that Texas Tech, what their order of business it was here.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the lines that I have been probably talking about the most this season and so like let's let's talk about Nebraska like you were looking at before. Um, one of the storylines or, or one of the things I've been saying a lot this season is I think Scott Frost time is done. Uh, I, I have felt at least at Nebraska. I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he is Nebraska's uh, good head coach. That being said, Scott Frost is scheduled to return in 2022. What? Yeah, is scheduled to return in 2022 uh, on a restructured deal. Caleb, it, it sounded like there's going to be a lot of shakeup whenever he comes back. I, like, you think this is like a final straw sort of thing, or do you think they just have that much faith in Frost to turn things around?
1: Yeah, this is, I think, similar to what Michigan did with Jim Harbaugh coming into this year. They He took a reduced salary, about mm-hmm. half of what he was scheduled during in 2022. Harbaugh fired, or at least reconstructed a bunch of his coaching staff And here. Scott Frost has fired his offensive coordinator, fired his quarterback coach, fired the running back coach, fired the offensive line coach. So completely new offense going into next year. And but. It starts with their. They need a better quarterback. Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. fourth-year starter here, is clearly not it. He still throws terrible interceptions at times, and from what I understand, they only have a couple of two-star quarterbacks coming in. So I don't know if the the replacement is going to be there for him. So, and I don't. What's even. uh I, I have liked how Nebraska has played. They played four top 10 teams, played them all close. They played Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. They played them all really close. but They've lost every single one of them. And that's kind of been the story with Scott Frost. So, you know, like what's the ceiling here next year with Scott Frost? Is it six and six and you finally beat one of those teams? You know, you beat Wisconsin. You beat an Iowa, a, ranked, a top 25 team finally and make it to a bowl game and hope you finish over 500s because I don't know.
0: Yeah, five straight seasons. No bowl games for Nebraska. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like if I were a Nebraska fan, I would be frustrated by the lack of any sort of progress. Yeah, it's just, like it. It seems like, and again, I believe he is a a good coach. Look what he did with you with UCF. But I don't think he is Nebraska's. And we, we know again, we talked about this last week. Hard to get kids to want to come out and, and go play at Nebraska because this isn't like football was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when it was like, hey, come out to the great history of Nebraska. Um, because now the the great history of Nebraska is a long time ago. They just haven't been as good outside of like a couple seasons around the time of like Indominican Sue whenever he was playing defensive tackle there. But
1: mm-hmm. it's. Uh...
0: It's really not great. Uh, something else that isn't great is Washington head coach Jimmy Lake getting suspended for one game for hitting a player's helmet. Um, Caleb, I don't, I don't like, I don't like this, or or I don't like what Jimmy Lake has has done here. Uh, I don't like it at all.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think he it was like a full up kind of swing from the video I saw hitting the hitting the player in the head. But it's a video. I have definitely showed him you know, forcibly hitting the guy, the player in the head. And then he kind of tried to deny it before the video surfaced. So it's definitely not a good look for him. Jimmy Lake has kind of struggled there since taking over for Chris Peterson, only seven and six in the 13 games taken over since then. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see if if he even makes it for the rest of the season or if this is kind of a last straw thing since it doesn't seem like he's a special type of head coach.
0: Yeah, I mean, my philosophy here is, you know this is uh this is a sport. it is an athletic competition. Uh, don't put your hands on the kids and you know don't do that kind of stuff like i I think one game is not enough, but um clearly, there are people with other thoughts. Um, I yeah, and I'm with you. I think he should go at the end of the season, regardless. Washington is continually a, a team that is on the bubble or was with Peterson, but not with Lake. Uh, head coach that has gotten fired Akron head coach tom Arth. he is three and 24 in three seasons uh but two of those three wins have come this year 207 so you know he was having a, a coaching best at Akron but uh <laughs> two and is not going to keep your job very well huh caleb
1: yeah, it definitely seemed like Akron made a mistake here. They fired their previous head coach a season after making it to the MAC championship game, and now he's thriving, I think, at Louisiana Monroe. They have yep. already four or five wins this season, so more than Tom Arth in his entire career here at Akron. So Akron definitely will be looking on the up again, but um, I think it's going to be slim pickings for them in their struggles the last few years.
0: Yeah, I can't think of too many people who really want to go uh, coach there. Um we're recording this Tuesday night like we usually do, and uh, we have a couple of relatively recent uh, bits of news that have popped up. First is Cal and USC. Their game is going to be postponed until December 4th due to some COVID-19 issues with Cal. And it sounds like there might even be some with USC. Um, It's looking like there might be like about a dozen cases or so. So uh, the dreaded Rona strikes again in the landscape of college football.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like these are probably all, if if not most, uh, breakthrough cases as Cal is 99% vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So good on them for getting the vaccine, but still breakthrough cases can obviously happen. So I think this is kind of unfortunate for Cal. They did what they were supposed to do mm-hmm. and something like this still happens. Yeah, I heard... Uh, as many as 24 case players were not going to be able to make the trip. So obviously maybe yes. not all of them tested positive, but still they it had been way short And there, were there are a few short in their game against Arizona this past weekend as well. So it sounds like it's getting worse for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then one last bit of news here, coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall who has been having a really solid career uh, sounding like his season could be over due to injury. Uh, you hate to see this kind of stuff. You hate to see a a, a career in the way that it's it's sounding like it will. Hopefully something, you know, this is not definitive yet, but my assumption is, you know, you usually don't announce this unless it, it's going to be the case. So uh, it's a shame, Caleb.
1: Yep. Uh, get well soon, Grayson, because I'm sure your name will be called at the NFL draft this upcoming spring.
0: I certainly hope so. You know, he's a talented quarterback, um, you know, obviously did great things with Coastal Carolina and and deserves some uh, an opportunity to shine somewhere. I mean, for goodness sake, if Sam Darnold can be uh, starting a quarterback this season, uh, I would like to think Grayson McCall could uh, at least earn a shot somewhere. But we will see, um, you know, you know what else we'll see? We'll see last week's game. So let's go ahead and uh, rewind.
1: Week 10 review, starting as always with our upsets. And surprise, surprise, Purdue upsets a top five team again, mm-hmm. beating number three Michigan State 40-29. to And it was on the backs of, you guessed it, David Bell. 11 catches, 217 yards. Aiden McConnell had 536 yards and three touchdowns in this one. And Purdue is now the first unranked team since 2007, Illinois, to beat two top five teams in the same season. And... We both predicted Michigan State would win, but the tea leaves were definitely there for Purdue to pull off the upset again.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a very close spread, which I thought was weird considering Michigan State is in the top four. Uh, I expected Walker to be able to, you know, go in and light up the scoreboard. He had 146 yards, but only that one touchdown, and so it makes it tough there. Uh, Patrick Thorne didn't look bad, though. I think he had, like, three touchdowns, one pick, so not awful. The thing that's standing out from this game for me is at the start of this season, Caleb, I just assumed that Ohio State's wide receivers were all going to end up uh, as, like, first team all Big Ten and stuff. But honestly, like, I would say Bell and Dotson have demonstrated that they are the true class of the Big Ten whenever it comes to high quality wide receiver performances here. And it's something that's really fun to see.
1: Yeah, the last few years, the SEC has dominated wide receiver performance. Devonte Smith, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase down there, but it's cool to see the Big Ten taking over that mantle. For, at least for this season, we'll see how that continues into the future.
0: Yeah, and this is a big program win for Purdue. Like this is the kind of stuff that you need to be able to draw in recruits. Uh, and you know, this isn't the first time. Like this isn't the first year where they've done this unranked either. Uh, I can recall a really good game where they stomped on uh, Ohio State. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was awesome to watch. So, you know, the Purdue choo-choos can sometimes be uh, chugging along and and can pull off some big successes. The only question now is what's it going to take for them to be able to string those successes together into one season so that they can uh, keep going on with these wins. But, again, great program win, great job to the Boilermakers on uh, upsetting a top-four team, a team that I honestly saw as, like, number two in the nation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Next upset, North Carolina ending Wake Forest. Perfect season, 58-55. It's devastating. Yep, and it was a nice comeback win for North Carolina. They were down 48-34 entering the fourth quarter. But um, Sam Hartman had a great game. Seven touchdowns, five through the air, two on the ground. But two interceptions, costly interceptions in this one. As for the second straight season, North Carolina had a nice come from behind victory to beat Wake Forest.
0: Yeah. So Sam Hartman is having a phenomenal season. This is his only, this is the only game he has had all season where he has thrown more than one interception. Uh, And truthfully, most games, he's not throwing interceptions at all. He does a good job not turning the ball over. But in a game like this, in in a shootout, as high-scoring as this is, every turnover counts uh, a little extra. And so, you know, we see that here with with the two interceptions paying dearly and UNC being able to take advantage of that and performing well. I mean, I'm still going to take Hartman over Howell. Howell was 16 for 26. Uh, 216 yards and touchdown, but, you know, obviously his running stats were better with two touchdowns over hundred yards. Um, but it's a tough loss for Wake Forest. You know, hopefully they'll be able to build it back, but uh, my hope of them being a dark horse candidate for the playoffs is likely over. And, um, you know, two Heisman favorites here. We've already talked about, you know, Walker and Hartman uh, both losing this weekend. I don't know how frequently that happens, but wild.
1: Yeah, and it was I think North Carolina they finally found their running back to replace Javante Williams and Michael Carter from last season as Ty Chandler had two hundred yards and four touchdowns in this game. So um, definitely seems like Sam Howell needs some pieces around him to be able to compete at a high level. And maybe they're finally finding him here late in the season. Maybe. Next upset, we got TCU winning their first game without Gary Patterson as they beat number twelve Baylor 30 to 28. TCU's quarterback Chandler Morris, 461 yards and two touchdowns, while Baylor, Baylor's quarterback Jerry Bohannon had three touchdowns with two interceptions in the loss that, again, maybe a dark horse team for Baylor here it probably ends any playoff hopes that they had.
0: Yeah, I mean, Baylor is, is typically, or at least this season, has been pretty, you know, Pretty high-powered, all cylinders running, but not this game. Uh, TCU did a good job limiting them. I mean, I know, like, yes, they scored 28 points. That's not exactly a low-scoring game, but in this kind of a matchup, I expected Baylor to, to clean house on this one. Uh, clearly did not happen, though. They got a lot of work to do, uh, especially with this quarterback position. You know, again, the numbers look pretty uh, until you get to the turnovers, and the interceptions in these sort of games, they're, they're going to kill you. Um, and and we see that here, especially whenever your counterpart, you know, Chandler Morris, TCU quarterback, no interceptions. Bohannon of a Baylor, two interceptions. You're not going to win games losing the turnover battle very frequently.
1: No, definitely not. All right. As the upsets continue, we got Arkansas beating number 17 Mississippi State 31 28. And it was Arkansas's running back, Dominique Johnson, game winning four yard touchdown run with just 21 seconds to go. And we were surprised that Mississippi State was ranked last week in the college football playoff at least as high as number 17. Yeah. But um, that quickly came to an end for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was. All- You know, I I was not super surprised, by this because Arkansas at the start of the season was looking like a phenomenal team. Uh, And then they went on that three-game losing streak against FBS teams. Fortunately, they end that by beating Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, kind of obviously this is not going to be the season that Arkansas fans hoped for but they can still put together a really nice season and uh, and get a nice bowl game. So nice job to the Razorbacks pulling off a good upset here and uh, adding some memorable moments for their, for their players. I'd really like to see next season, and I know that we still got a lot of ball left in this season, but uh, looking ahead, I'd really like to see somebody emerge in the passing attack that is going to be consistently dominant for Arkansas uh, just to help them out there. I know that they've always had good running backs, but, you know, I, I think they need to become a little bit more multidimensional to uh, help th- to help them get to that next level.
1: Agreed. Staying in the SEC, Tennessee upsetting number 18, at Kentucky 45-42. And this was despite Tennessee having the ball for less than 14 minutes in this game. That's right. Kentucky had the ball for 46 minutes and 8 seconds. Tennessee 13-52. That's because Hendon Hooker, despite just 15 completions, 316 yards, Oof. four touchdowns, and Tennessee's offense was really firing, really potent in this game.
0: Yeah, an absolutely devastating offensive attack, uh, of being able to take down the Wildcats. I mean, Will Levis, you know, he didn't look terrible, 31 of 49, 372 yards, three touchdowns. Will Levis is having a good season, and, and, that's, and that's great to see. That he is uh, finding a place where he can be successful, but Hendon Hooker also is a is a guy you don't want to sleep on. He's he's having a great season, and what the fifteen out of twenty for three hundred sixteen yards tells me is that he isn't just doing checkdowns. Yes, checkdowns are absolutely important. They keep an offense rolling from first down to first down, but it's showing me that he's willing to take some risks. And whenever you're an unranked team against a ranked explosive SEC team like Kentucky has demonstrated they can be, you gotta take some shots. And he did, and those paid some big dividends in the big upset win.
1: Yeah, and the lone interception for Will Levis in this game was a pick six. So that obviously proved costly in this (laughs) one. Next game our old friends, Illinois, upsetting number 20, Minnesota, 14-6. to And another bad game for Tanner Morgan, 180 yards, zero touchdowns passing. He had a rushing touchdown and two interceptions. And Illinois was able to do that despite only rushing for 185 yards, less than four yards per carry. So not quite the same formula that they used to be Penn State, but uh, good enough for another top 25 victory for the Illini.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And we had just talked about this PJ flex on that seven year extension. Minnesota's is just a really beat up team right now. You know, I, mm-hmm. I wonder if they didn't have the injuries that they faced, where would Minnesota be this season? And you know, that's a big, what if sort of question, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, uh, this game probably ends differently. If, uh, if the key injuries that they have this year, um, didn't, didn't
1: happen. Yeah, Minnesota's another team we were kind of surprised they were ranked as high mm-hmm. as they were with a bowling green loss now throwing the Illinois loss in. Even if they win out the rest of the season, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to get back in the top 25, unfortunately, for them. Exactly um the the i feel like the original upstart team boise state here blowing out number 25 fresno state 40 to 14 that's right fresno state's quarterback jay caner who's had a great season not so in this one two touchdowns and three picks and despite a a uncharacteristically down year for boise state this is their second top 25 win so they're still a tough opponent despite a mediocre season for them
0: yeah and you know the the quarterback that has been there killed. I think since at least we started this podcast, at least it feels like that Hank Bachmeyer uh, had a good, good game. He, uh, ended up, what was he like 15 of 27? I think I'm going to pull up the stats real quick. Yeah. 15 of 27, 283 yards and one touchdown. Um, so a great job through the air and, and being able to lead the team there. Um, yeah, they definitely are the ones that taught me how to love an upset. And so, uh, it was great to see them pull up that upset against Fresno State. Fresno State is is a team, you know. This isn't their season. They're kind of going up and down, and clearly, right now they're they're going down.
1: Yep. Finally, we'll talk about here the only top twenty five matchup from the past weekend as number fourteen Texas A and M beats number thirteen Auburn twenty to three. A old fashioned defensive showdown here. As the only touchdown scored was by defensive lineman Michael Clemens' fumble return touchdown for Texas A and M and this, it felt kind of like a Big Ten West game, this SEC West matchup.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a fun game to keep track of. You know, Bo Nix, obviously, and, and we had talked about this last week too. He goes on these stretches where he's really good, but eventually they come to an end. And that was this game. You know, he had minus 18 rushing yards. He was 20 of 41 for 153 yards. So that that tells me he wasn't really taking risks, um, but he did have an interception. And then, meanwhile, you got Zach Calzada who also wasn't exactly taking big risks. He was 15-29 for 192 yards in the air. Uh, they really had to rely, Texas A&M, that is, had to rely on Isaiah Spiller in terms of keeping Auburn off the field. But uh, big, big kudos to the defense of Texas A&M for taking advantage of Bo Nix and, uh, and generating some of the uh, – you know, generating some pass rush, generating some pressure, getting a turnover, and being able to turn that into points. So nice, nice job on them. For them, yeah.
1: When uh, when they were talking about this game on College Game Day before it, I remembered as they reminded me that Bonick struggles on the road, and this was a road game for Auburn. So I regretted picking Auburn immediately <laughs> once I read that. I'm like, oh, I should have won with Texas and So we'll see if Bonick responds at home in his next game.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll find out pretty soon.
1: Yep. Moving on to the Big Ten. As we mentioned earlier, number five, Ohio State, surviving against Nebraska, 26-17. to And this time it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. 15 catches, 240 yards, and a touchdown. Those 15 catches are a school record for Ohio State. And that was very important, as Garrett Wilson did not play in this game. The other star wide receiver for Ohio State, not to mention Chris Olave as well. And as you said earlier, fifth straight losing season for Nebraska, fifth straight year, not going to a bowl game.
0: Yeah. Um, Smith and Jigba... He is a he's a guy that, you know, we just didn't hear of at the start of the season, but he the last uh I'd say like three, four games, has been putting together a really strong resume and it just demonstrates again the depth of talent that Ohio State consistently is able to produce and how that helps them so that whenever you lose guys like Wilson, like Olave, next man up mentality, I mean Holy cow. What an impressive performance by him. He's a really good receiver, especially on the outs on the outside. You know, if you hit him outside the numbers close to the sideline, he's able to reel it in. And, uh, and, you know, in a lot of cases, make something happen afterwards as the 15 for 240 demonstrate there. So nice job by them. And, uh, we already talked about Nebraska. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Ohio State has an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. On their mm-hmm. their bench, on their like upcoming freshman stuff, they have Marvin Harrison Jr. They got Julian Fleming, the five-star recruit from the Philadelphia area, I think so. They'll be fine for some time regarding wide receiver position. Uh next top 10 team in the Big Ten, Michigan, rebounding to beat Indiana 29-7. And Hassan Haskins had himself, he was definitely the lead back in this one. 27 carries, 168 yards, and one touchdown on the ground. And just a dismal season for Indiana after their great revelation last year.
0: Big bummer for Indiana. Uh, you know, Michigan, they had Haskins as the main back, mainly because all their other running backs that they usually rely on, guys like Corum. Uh, and I think, is Henning the other one? Or yeah, it? I forget. Yeah, I can't remember either. But especially Corum, who who goes in there, got injured. And so uh, Haskins showed that he could take the workload and that he could uh, take care of business in terms of delivering a big win. You know, he accounted for 188 total yards of offense if you include his receiving. So uh, a big centerpiece there. And uh big shout out to. Cade McNamara 10 for 18 168 yards. So, you know, not super impressive there by the numbers, but two touchdowns, no turnovers. Again, that's important in winning these games. Um even though Michigan lost to Michigan State, they're showing that they're still a force to be reckoned with, maybe a little bit more than uh, I had thought based off of uh, how they played Michigan State, but I oh don't know, Caleb, it's uh it could be dicey going into Happy Valley this year.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think I read somewhere, maybe I'm completely making this up, that um, Cade McNamara left that game late with an injury, so we may I be think seeing. You're right. I think we may be seeing JJ McCarthy. Th- I'd say he's questionable. Would be McNamara at this point. I wouldn't say he's definitely not playing, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, at, at this point, it's a question who will be seeing for starting quarterback for Michigan this week. Right. Right. Next game, we got number 21 Wisconsin continuing to roll. They beat Rutgers 52 to three. And Graham Mertz had three touchdown passes in this one, that doubles his season total in <laughs> touchdown passes. Um, but still, not not doing too much. Just eleven for sixteen passing. So they're still not asking much for him. He just got the touchdowns in this one. It seems.
0: Uh, yeah, they're. I think they're going to have more success running their offense like Army. So, uh, you know, good on them to to pull that off.
1: Yep. And finally, number twenty two, Iowa beating Northwestern 17 to 12. Spencer Petrus was benched in this one. I think he started a one of four for four passing yards. So they put in brought in Alex Padilla, but it was their defense as usual that won them this game as they won the turnover battle three to zero. So that seems to be the formula for Iowa. If they win the turnover turnover battle, they win. If they lose the turnover battle, they lose. And every one, it seems it's not usually a close turnover battle. It's either plus three or minus three, it seems every game.
0: Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know nice by them to squeak by but let's be honest northwestern is really not looking good this year. Um, I think this spells or this is a sign of bigger issues for Iowa and that uh, the frustrating losses are are not behind them I, I do not foresee
1: All right let's move on to Penn State oh I missed
0: that uh so it feels good to play that. Because we have a Penn State win, Penn State ends their three-game losing streak by beating Maryland thirty-one to fourteen. They cover the spread, but I'm going to be honest: this was a pretty ugly game, outside of uh, a couple key performances. We're going to start by looking at Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford, twenty-seven of forty-seven for three hundred sixty-three yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he does get sacked three times, which you know we're going to talk about this in a second. Uh, and I feel like a, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. Offensive line is, is really struggling.
1: Yeah, it defi- comes-
0: Yeah, go ahead, Caleb. You go ahead.
1: I agree. It definitely is. Um, seems like they're definitely been better at the pass protection this year than the run blocking schemes. But even the pass protection wasn't quite as good this year as it has been in the past. Even if the running game, uh, I think, took a slight step forward this game, if you ask me. Just a slight step forward.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm still frustrated that the backfield hasn't found some, like one individual to be able to totally rely on, you know, one week, it seems like Kevon's Lee's having a good week. And then it seems like love, having a good week. And then it seems like, Oh, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe Noah King can do something, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm attributing all of this to the offensive lines, poor performance this season. They really need to get a lot of stuff cleaned up because they just look awful out there. You know, there's, there's a lot more big games coming up this season. Uh, and all season, we've struggled to get pushes off that line. You know, I think back to the Villanova game and how Villanova was manhandling our offensive line. Like, come on, guys. You know, and, and I think a big part of this is the coaching and the scheming of the line. So they, they really got to clean that up. Uh, thankfully, though, again, Clifford had a really good day. You know, he took a lot of risks and those risks paid off. Um, on the ground, Caleb, you said they took a, a slight step forward and, uh, and I'll give, I will give credit where credit is due. They did, you know, it, it did look like some of their running looked better. Uh, Keevon Lee, the lead back here, eight carries for 50 yards. Noah Kane, 10 carries for 35 yards, including a couple uh, crucial runs. And then of course we have love it with seven carries for 24 yards. This game was close early on. And so, you know, a lot of these runs were, were important to us. Um, Caleb, I, I'm just going to say it again. I'm kind of tired of this running back by committee thing. Give me one guy, get him into a rhythm. And if that running back can't get in the rhythm, then find someone else.
1: Yeah, the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And maybe for Penn State, if you have three, four, five running backs, you don't have any. So Mm -hmm. these guys are all talented. A lot of them, I think, are four-star guys. Maybe we even have a five-star in there somewhere. But um, it's just not working right now. Maybe um, Singleton, who's a five-star guy, coming in next year, maybe he'll he'll be the answer. But like you said, uh, we need that offensive line more than anything. The the run blocking is really important for uh, running back production. That's what it's been shown to do. I think you kind of scheme around poor pass blocking and still get your offense to work, the passing offense to work. But you need good run blockers in order to have a successful running game, and we don't have that at the moment.
0: Yeah, and you, so again, nobody really stood out in the running game. In terms of the passing game, Keandre Lambert Smith, two receptions, 36 yards, and nothing really to sneeze at. Obviously he Obviously again, he he does it. He doesn't get a ton of yards, but he does make a couple important receptions. He did that there. Kane, 4 for 28. Um Johnson with 3 for 23. Lee with 2 for 17, Washington 2 for 16, but thank God one person woke up during this game because had that not been the case, uh, this game would have gone really, really bad. Jahan Dotson, holy cow, 11 receptions, 242 yards, 3 touchdowns. What a performance. He breaks a former freshman sensation, Dion Butler's, single game yard record and rightfully earns big 10 co-offensive player of the week with that performance. I mean, Caleb Maryland didn't have an answer for him and I don't understand why we weren't feeding him more. That being said, he did what he needed to carry us to a win.
1: Yeah. He should have been up there with Jackson Smith and jig, but with that 15 catches, he could have broke both records uh, if they had fed him a little bit more, but yeah, back to second straight 11 catch game for Dotson second mm. career, three touchdown game for Dotson. And he always got the school, single-game yardage record. He's yeah, he's just been great for us these past couple of years. He got named a co-offensive player of the week, like you said. I think he's sharing that honor with Aiden O'Connell with his over 500 yards passing. But a lot of, obviously, uh, big-time, big-ten performances. You could have gave it to Smith and Jigba as well. So, yeah, great to have Jahan Dotson on our side breaking through for that one. Was that 70-80-yard touchdown catch he had, to, I think that gave us the lead. That yep. was that was great. Great play Needed. there. Needed that was definitely the turning point in this game and definitely I feel like, yeah, put a huge weight off of our shoulders for that with that huge run for us.
0: Yep, On the defensive side of the ball, you know, they, again, they step up only 14 points allowed. Great job by them. Tangelo and Ebiketti each with one sack. Um, if I remember correctly, Ebiketti sack, it looked, uh, it looked pretty tough, you know, uh, mm-hmm. really, uh, really nailed uh tongue there. So, you love to see it. Jair Brown with an awesome 87-yard pick six at the end to seal the game whenever it was still looking pretty close, you know, 14-24. to 24. Uh, Jair Brown said, mm, not today. And uh, also recovered a fumble. So he rightfully earns Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Looking impressive there. So nice job by Jair Brown, especially after he got called for, was, was his unnecessary roughness or
1: unsportsmanlike? Um, on sportsman like it was when him and um him and Briscoe oh, yeah. both got on the same play right and we were yeah like, that's right that called for both on the same play even though they're both after the play I, I we both had never heard yeah. that before
0: and we never saw what it was um but i i think somebody had tweeted out and you know wouldn't shock me. it was them taking their helmet off and yeah that uh, was
1: my best guess because yeah they didn't show what that would be the thing unless they were Obviously, taunting maybe like you saw in that your big Steelers win last night. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that. I was in bed, but uh, I I heard that it was a pretty awful call. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, whenever it comes to you know Brandon Smith, two and a half tackles for loss, two pass breakups. So looking good there. And uh, it was good to see Brown and Brisker playing well. It was good to see Smith playing well because Lucetta was out due to injury. Jonathan Sutherland, I mean. He he's. I'm just. I'm gonna say like I don't really see him as an impact player. Um, I would like to, but I don't see him as an impact player. He didn't play due to injury, but uh, I think probably one of the big stories here is Fred uh, Hansard. He's gonna be suspended for the first half of the Michigan game. This was a Penn State decision after he got into uh, not an altercation, but but a little uh, extra shove there of uh, Talia Tungavailoa on the sidelines. Uh, I didn't right. Was it was it right there at the sidelines? Yeah, he right is. at the
1: sideline. He he, got, he was running out of bounds. and Hansard pushed him pretty full force with, yeah. with Hansard with the push there. I don't think he meant anything malicious with it, like no. he said in his comments, his apologetic comment there. But still, like James Franklin said, it's a bad look. I think he deserves the suspension. I don't know if you... Maybe it should have been a full game, should have just been a quarter, I don't know. So I guess a half's fine by me. And we haven't heard too much of Fred Fred Hansard this year, but he's he's a four year player now with Penn State and so he's a key leader, I think, on that defense, even if he doesn't play that much.
0: Yeah, it it was interesting that afterwards, whenever they're talking about the players involved, um, you know, they thought that it might have been Rashid Walker that was involved. Mm-hmm. And and I appreciated that Fred mentioned in his in his apology that he was sorry that you know Walker's name was was brought into it and and soiled just because they wear the same number um you know it seems like everybody on Penn State wears the same number so uh, I'm glad he was able to you know this is this is what a man does they make a mistake they own it and then they move on from it I'm ready to move on from it. You ready to move on from it, Caleb?
1: I'm ready to move on. Let's move on to special teams.
0: Let's look at special teams. Jordan, Jordan Stout. I don't know. Should we call him like ex best friend of the show or former friend of the show? Like, I I don't know.
1: Well, until we have a new best friend of the show, I guess we'll keep calling him best friend. Okay. Or
0: friend of the show or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're a Penn state player out there and you listen to this podcast, Throw us a like or a retweet, and you'll become our new friend of the show. You're welcome. Uh, Jordan Stout, friend of the show, four for four on extra points, made a 27-yard field goal, six punts, 34.7-yard average. Eh. But uh, you know, overall, solid day at the office for him. Uh, Jahan Dotson, 12-yard punt return, and uh, did the smart thing on a few returns, letting them bounce in the end zones for uh, or into the end zone for touchbacks. Uh, field position, I was not concerned about this game, Caleb.
1: No, I wasn't concerned about field position, but it seemed like Dotson, every time he was back there, he made the right call on whether mm-hmm. to return, return the punt or not. Yeah, I think I think Stout kind of uh, hit the one off the side of his foot, so I think that kind of lowered his average. Yeah. And then I guess we're a couple, I guess, closer to midfield where you're kind of just doing shorter punts there. So
0: Yeah, I was not definitely, upset with the punting either.
1: No, definitely wasn't upset with the punting, but – um. A guy down at San Diego State, Matt Areza, has something like 15 60-yard punts this year, so I'm guessing he'll be winning the Ray Guy Punter of the Year award, but hopefully Stout is still recognized for his incredible year, and this low average for one game doesn't bring him down too far.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're punting from your 5-yard line all the time, I guess it's probably pretty easy to get those big bombs, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, Stout is a great directional punter, too, something I didn't expect uh, outside of that muff, but you know. And I I think you are right. I think it was one that hit the outside of his foot, but it's all right. Overall though, you know, one of the, one of my big takeaways here was a rather frustrating moment whenever the game was still pretty tight and it was getting toward the end of the first half. There was a minute 15 left on the clock. Penn state had three timeouts. Our offense needed something, anything. Mm -hmm. And we were going to start the next half with the ball rather than taking that as an opportunity, you know, go for a touchdown. Hey, if you don't get a touchdown, maybe you get a field goal. We decided to just run it in the half. Like, what do you think the thought was there, Kale? Because I thought it was a really dumb thought, whatever it was.
1: Yeah, and then we took a timeout with two or three seconds to go, and then after the discussion, they were like, ah, I guess we'll just kneel the ball and not even give Clifford a sh- chance to – it would have been like a 60-yard throw into for a Hail Mary, so it probably wouldn't have worked. But, yeah, very confusing play calling, very confusing mm-hmm. timeout usage. And I know this happened once or twice earlier this season, but then last week against Ohio State, we did the perfectly executed, got down, got the field goal before half, mm-hmm. then got the ball to start the second half, score the touchdown to tie the game. So last week we executed perfectly. This week it was back in the shambles. So still got to work on our end of half play calling.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think another thing we need to work on, I've loved a lot of Mike Yurcich's offense i've loved a lot of the variety i do not love the use of the wildcat every week uh, i think that if you make that a staple of your offense then defenses are going to start to prepare for it which is you know the whole reason you run a wildcat is that defenses haven't prepared for it so um i think that needs to be adjusted i think we maybe need to take a couple weeks off from that stuff caleb
1: yeah i had no problem with going for it on for, that fourth down play where we use right. the wildcat. Okay. Um, but yeah, like we said, if if you're gonna use the Wildcat, yeah, use it left often and throw a pass every once in a while. So at least they have to yes. respect the pass. Whenever they see Tyler Warren get back there into the backfield and he's the and Clifford's not back there. He's lined up at a wide receiver on the sideline. The other team knows we're gonna run the ball straight forward and try to get that one or two yards that we need for the first down and Obviously it didn't work this time. It worked the first time and has I think it's only worked once since that time. Uh-huh. So yeah, throw he Tyler Warren, like they kept saying, he was a quarterback in high school. So I think we can get him to throw a two yard pass to, you know, whether it's Theo Johnson or Brenton Strange, another ten in, get Dotson out there, he'll catch anything you throw his way. Do that play you run a lot on thirds downs to get the ball out to Parker Washington running out on the flat. Do something to switch it up so there so they can't just go all out for the run on the defensive side.
0: Exactly. You know, the, we got to make them, we got to be a little bit unpredictable with the play calling. Um and you know, we talked about this earlier. I don't know what it's going to take. I saw the rankings and I was I was embarrassed seeing it. We are ranked 12th in the Big 10 when it comes to running the football. the there's some sort of an identity crisis here because, you know, our, our passing game is fine. But our our run game is just awful. And going down the stretch here, especially in a lot of these games against teams like a Michigan, like a Michigan State, and, you know, I'm assuming whoever we play in the bowl game, because, you know, man, I love it whenever we become bowl eligible after beating Maryland. Um, If we want to be able to close out these games, we're going to need a good run game. And so uh, I don't know what it's going to take besides, you know, well, I'll save my final thoughts. Um, Caleb, any other thoughts on coaching?
1: Uh, nope, I'm all good.
0: Okay, so uh, real quick, you know, overall, it was a really ugly win, in my opinion. Uh, the score was much larger than the game actually was. There were a few points where Maryland looked better than us, uh, but thank goodness that Dotson decided that he was going to show up because it felt like a lot of the teams weren't. Uh, I really feel like Trotwine needs to go. Um He's probably a good coach, but he's not a good coach for Penn State, so uh, he's got bounce. Killed?
1: Yes, nice to end the losing streak. Good to get our first win in about a month's time. Like you said, though, not a great overall performance. The game was definitely much closer than the score indicates. And something I've been wondering now, its I think it's been like three, four straight games here where we only could have <laughs> one good drive in the first half by our offense. Um, it was our only scoring drive, only touchdown drive against Illinois. We only had seven points before that good, pretty good end of first half uh, drive against Ohio State. Now here we only had seven points in the half as, as it was a seven six game at halftime against Maryland. So I don't know what's going on with the offense. It's the and it's not even like the first or second drive where you're doing that those scripted plays that they always talk about in those NFL games. It's like the third or fourth drive for some reason. So. It'd be nice if we can put together more consistent offense in the first half, get, get two, three touchdowns, uh, a field goal or two in there. So we're not stressing the second halves as much because against uh, Michigan and Michigan state, two of these last three games that might not be able to cut it. If we want to, if we want to win these games and spoil their seasons.
0: Exactly. Um, Obviously from the way that we've been talking, we both picked Jahan Dotson as the team MVP. He looked Mm -hmm. just downright phenomenal. I mean, the, There's going to be some team in the NFL that's going to be really lucky to have him.
1: Yep. When you do a record-breaking performance, there is really no one else to choose.
0: Uh Oh, Uh, and so then, you know, we have the polls. The AP poll currently has Penn State at number 23. The coaches poll currently has Penn State at number 3. We're recording this before uh, college football playoff announcements are made, but I'm assuming they're going to keep us... Yeah, unranked, and so uh,
1: I could see us coming in ranked. A couple: <sighs> Mississippi State, Kentucky, Minnesota, all lost. So I think I think we might sneak in there, at number twenty-four or twenty-five.
0: I mean, I would like to think that. I just and you know I think we were talking about this either right before we were recording or did we just talk about this? And my mind's just having a big old brain fart. This is the weirdest season I think I have seen. Whenever it's come to. Uh, at least early rankings, like I, I would scratch my head with a lot of them. But.
1: Yeah, so obviously we have nothing to react to this time, but yeah, I think because I'm trying to think, like who's going to replace those four teams, assuming all four become unranked. I think Arkansas, because they beat a ranked team, may jump in there. Hopefully, UTSA gets ranked in there since they're nine and zero and for uh-huh. some reason weren't ranked last season. But if, so if there if there's one or two spots left, I think. I, I, I'm guessing Penn State's at least in the conversation for the, those spots, and and being ranked in both coaches' polls. Um, the uh, one Twitter account I follow simulates the BCS polls. <laughs> they, they, those computers, I guess, they still run their numbers. I think Penn State would be number twenty-one or so in the in the BCS rankings, mm. and. If, if you look at it head-to-head now, Auburn and Wisconsin have the same record as us, six and three. We beat them both, and they were both ranked last week. I expect them both to be ranked this week, even though Auburn lost. So those, those two wins have to count for something at some point. So I think we'll be in, and maybe even maybe there's even a surprise and we get ranked ahead of both Auburn and Wisconsin. More likely, I would think Auburn than Wisconsin at this point, because the committee seems to like Wisconsin since they're on a hot streak. Yeah.
0: Uh this weekend big game we play number 7 Michigan at home at noon on ABC all time Penn State is 10-14 against Michigan but we've won the last 2 which has been a uh, a big big uh, plus for us
1: yeah, definitely. We um, finally ended the. Seemed like the home team was dominating there for about a four or five year stretch. Uh, yeah. Penn State was able to get the win in the weird COVID season last year. So, thankfully, we have the home field advantage this week. I think it's going to be important, and I, I think the student section is going to show up even for this early noon kickoff.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, they they know how to show up, and mm-hmm. and they should do it here. Um, so, obviously, again, we're recording this before the playoff announcements are out. And so, you know, as of right now, uh Caleb and I have both done what we think is going to be the top four. Um, or what Caleb so Caleb's guess is probably what I'm thinking as well. We're thinking it's going to be Georgia at one, Alabama at two, Oregon at three, and Ohio State at four. Um, I'll be honest, if I was ranking them, like if I if I had a voice in the college football playoff committee, which obviously I do not, as you know, a 29-year-old guy that is currently sitting on my couch recording a podcast, um, my top four would be one, Georgia, two, Oklahoma, three, Oregon, and four, Cincinnati. Uh, for a few reasons, I'd like to see some fresh blood in there. Uh, also, I'm just going to say it again. I think I said this last week. I don't think Alabama's as good as they usually are. I think, that's, I think they're getting their ranks solely because of name brand recognition. How about you, Caleb?
1: Yeah, I think I put Georgia 1, Cincinnati 2, Oregon 3, and then I threw Alabama in at 4. I do think winning matters, as we've seen this year. It's it's really hard to go undefeated. It's really hard to even just have one loss on the season, so it's hard not to put Oklahoma in there, mm-hmm. but... They really haven't beat anyone yet. They have the opportunity these next couple weeks. I think they play three straight ranked teams before the Big 12 championship game, which they will probably be in. So if they went out, I definitely think they will be in the top four. But for now, I'm not going to put them in when you're down at halftime against Kansas. (laughs) It's just really hard for me to put you as one of the four best teams right now, especially when, even though Alabama, like you said, hasn't been as good this year, they still have some quality wins on their resume. And uh, the Texas A&M loss is a, is a pretty good loss. So I'll give Alabama the slight edge over Oklahoma for the time being. righty. right. All right. Let's move into our week 11 picks of who you got. Let's do it. Uh, Phil, you won six and two last week. I won six and three. That's because I got my underdog pick right for the third week in a row. Thank <sighs> you, Arizona. Or congratulations, Arizona, I should say, getting the first <laughs> one of the season. And UNLV also got their first win of the season. So every team in the FBS has a win this season. So that's good to see. We We're have all winners. No, no winless teams this season, which is great to see. So speaking of our underdog picks, Phil, who you got this week?
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, ultimately, I went with Texas Tech over Iowa State. Iowa State's a ten and a half point favorite, but they just aren't playing as well this season. And you know, Texas Tech—they're not awful. So uh, I'm kind of counting on them to to get me another win in the uh, underdog pick Caleb. who you got.
1: Yes. I was scrolling through the possibilities of at least a 10 point underdog. Nothing was really sticking out to me. So, yeah. so I went big, I'm going to Tennessee over number one, Georgia, 20 and a half point favorites here. Um, I think Georgia is the best team. Um, this season, but Tennessee offense has been really good this year. Hendon hooker has definitely taken the next step forward. Uh, so I think this might be Georgia's biggest test of, in terms of their defense, but, um, I think they'll be able to hold them down a little bit, but I think Georgia maybe might be able to put, go on upset alert this time. They only have one or two conference games left. So I think this is really their only chance for losing in the regular season remaining.
0: Well, if anything, if you pick this, you're going to basically be like the I mean, honestly, if you get this one right, I feel like we should just end the picks segment for the season and just declare you the winner.
1: Um, yeah, I'm happy with my four underdog picks already. Like, that's already uh, more than I expected. So, yeah. <laughs> if I get this one, out, yeah, I might quit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I honestly didn't think we would get more than, like, one or two on the season. So, you know, you got four. I've got, I think, one. So, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, next game that we're picking, Western Kentucky is a 19-point favorite at Rice. Western, Western Kentucky last week forced seven turnovers, including six interceptions against Middle Tennessee. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, if uh, Western Kentucky's offense or defense is going to do this, then Rice has no chance in this game. Uh, Bailey Zappi threw for by far his fewest yards of the season last week, and they still cruise to an easy victory. I think, obviously, you can't expect seven turnovers, but I think their offense will take that next step back up if they needed it this week against the race Phil who you got
0: yeah give me Bailey Zappi uh, I think he's gonna throw for a lot including touchdowns so go Hilltoppers
1: next game North Carolina coming off their upset win against Wake Forest trying to do it again at 25 pit pit six point favorite UNC had won six in a row in this rivalry before losing to Pitt a couple years ago Phil who you got
0: Oh, this is a tough one. Um I really don't love I this is a this is a tough one to pick because you know, yes, Pitt is ranked. Um but obviously if Kenny Pickett plays how Kenny Pickett has in the past, that's gonna mean there's gonna be some turnovers. Um who do I like more? Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett? I don't really like either of them. So I jumped back and forth on this one. Um, I think I want to regret it, but I'm picking the Tar Heels. Gilb, who you got?
1: Yeah, this was tough for me. Now that North Carolina, it seems like their offense may be humming along here. But I think I've said that before, and they didn't really keep it up the next week. So mm-hmm. I think Pitt's going to be ready for this one. They're, they know North Carolina is a dangerous team. This should be a fun high-scoring game, just like the North Carolina Wake game last week. So if you want to see some offense, watch this game. But I'll take the Pitt Panthers in this one.
0: I like it. Next one, number four, Oklahoma is a six-point favorite at number 18. Baylor, all-time, Oklahoma leads the series 28-3. to three. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm taking the Sooners in this one. They're coming off a bye week, Caleb Williams is the better quarterback for Oklahoma. Baylor coming off a loss. Everything I feel like just pointed to Oklahoma in this one. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, I I have no doubt that they're gonna that they're gonna crush Baylor in this one. Well, maybe not crush, but they're they're gonna beat them by at least a touchdown in this one. I think the six point spread. I would definitely take the over
1: on that. Next game, two teams coming off a loss: Mississippi State at number sixteen, Auburn. Auburn five and a half point favorites, and they have won four of the last five meetings. Phil, who you got?
0: This feels like the kind of game Auburn would lose, uh, except for the fact that, as you had said earlier, Caleb, this is a home game, and Bo plays better at home. Uh, So I'm predicting that Auburn's going to win this one. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, up until last week, Auburn had been playing really good football. I think Mississippi State's more of an up-and-down team, so a more unpredictable team, so I'll bet on the team that I think is more consistent in Auburn.
0: Yeah. Uh, next game, Minnesota at number nineteen, Iowa. Iowa's a six-point favorite and has won the last six meetings. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm going with the upset. I'm taking Minnesota. Um, I think the last time when they lost to Bowling Green, they came back strong, won a few in a row. So I think they'll do it again here against the Iowa team that has been spiraling ever since they beat Penn State. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, this is a you know this was a tough one for me. Um, I kind of want to like spit because I'm picking Iowa in this game, but, uh, it comes down to how teams have been playing each other. Um, and even then, like I can make, I can still make a good case for Minnesota and it comes down. And so then what it ultimately comes down to is it's a home game for Iowa. It's at Phoenix stadium. Um, so as much as I cannot stand the fans, or really just stand Iowa, period. Uh, I'm going to pick them to win this one.
1: Next up, we got number 11 Texas A&M at number 12 Ole Miss. Texas A&M is the favorite in this one, as they've won nine of the last 10 against Ole Miss. Nine of the 10 all-time meetings against Ole Miss. Phil, who you got?
0: Should be a great game. Calzada's playing well. Uh, I like Texas A&M. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I think Texas A&M is the better team, but Ole Miss has the better quarterback in Matt Corral. If he's healthy, I'll take Ole Miss to pull the upset.
0: I like it. Next one, we got number 21, NC State at number 13, Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a two-point favorite and has won eight of the last nine meetings in Winston-Salem. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I'll take Wake Forest and their explosive offense to back, bounce back and beat North Carolina State here. They're, they're having a special season. And I think they can continue that. Last week was a non-conference game, so they can still win the ACC here, still win their conference, make it to the championship game. And I think they will be able to do that. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, give me Sam Hartman. I think he's going to come out strong, guns blazing, and I think he's going to lead the team to a big, big win.
1: And finally, we got number nine. This is by the AP poll, Michigan at number 23, Penn State. Penn State is the one-point favorite in this one. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, this is the first ever stripe-out game. Um, should be cool to see. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe not as, like, fired up about that as I am about the fact that we're a favorite in this game. And I think the reason we're a favorite is because of the fans. Uh, I expect them to be able to come in, and, and we've seen what they've been able to do to Michigan. Uh, we've seen what Michigan's offense looks like this season. We've seen Penn State clean up their run defense. Uh, we have the best secondary, at least in the Big Ten, if not college football. And so, um, though it would be easy or tempting to pick the higher ranked team, I like Penn State in this one. I think there's too many things that can go well for Penn State. And so I got them in a close one, uh, 24 to 21. Go State. Penn, uh, Caleb, who you got?
1: Um, yeah, I was surprised that Penn State was the favorite in this one. I thought Michigan would be maybe like a 2-3 point favorite in this one, but I guess they're taking in the home field advantage that's been occurring in this, in this rivalry into account and giving the Penn State the edge here. And uh, I'll take it. I'll say Penn State wins 27-24. I, do, I am a little worried about the run game. I think that's the key here. It's stopping Michigan's run game. Mm-hmm. I think they can kind of run the ball more like Illinois than Ohio State. So I'm I'm worried that Haskins and Coram can run the ball well against us. But if we figure that out, I think we'll be able to stop them, stop whoever is at quarterback, force a turnover or two from their, the quarterbacks of Michigan, and be able to pull off this uh, victory. Upset by the rankings, not upset by Vegas. I
0: like it. Well, uh, hey, folks, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Caleb and Phil football podcast. If you haven't already listened to us before, you should know we're just a couple of amateur guys. Uh, You know, we we really enjoy talking about college football, so much so that we decided to make this podcast that way instead of boring our wives, we could just, you know, engage each other with it. If you haven't already, please be sure to connect with us on Twitter at CPFB podcast and go ahead and give us a like and sub to the uh, sub to the pod. Caleb any final words of wisdom before we sign off
1: go Penn State
0: we are